Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another exciting yet informative episode of the Plastic Planet podcast with myself, your host, Dr. Rafilwe. Today's guest is from the Norwegian University of Science and Technology. He is the epitome of science meets innovation. He is highly educated, yet still very much on the ground. He's a role model, if you will, because, uh, you know, what what really stuck, struck me with uh, Professor Carl is his interaction with plastic and his passion with really just declaring war against plastic. Professor Carl is a, um, a senior lecturer at the University of the NTNU. He focuses on circular economy for plastic waste and marine plastic pollution at the intersection between the NTNU sustainability and the NTNU oceans. He also is a senior advisor with the NTNU Energy, and he's also worked you know, quite extensively with multinational companies as well for university spin-offs. So um, he's uh, we're very honored to have you Prof, here with us. Um, can you just say hello to our to our listeners? Hi everybody, I'm Carl Klings. I'm uh, talking to you from Trondheim in Norway. Awesome, Prof. Um, can you just? I, I think that background does not even begin to just you know uh, let us know who you are. Can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and how your love for plastic started? I mean, basically, I'm a jack of all trades and an expert at none. So I currently <laughs> serve as a professor at that university and in, in the, the biggest university in Norway. And I, I, I love what I'm doing, particularly interacting with students. So my sort of, uh, I've, I've been a professor at four different faculties at two different universities. So that just tells you a little bit about my 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 breadth versus my my depth as as an academic, but. My love for, for, or not my love, my scare of <laughs> plastics really came true back in January 2017. Then a, a whale stranded on the coast of Norway and it died because its intestines were full of plastic. And the reason I bring it up is that that was really a pivotal moment in the, in the awareness in my country in Norway. Because up till that time, plastic really was not that much of an issue because the streets are pretty clean where I live. But that whale that died, not in vain, and now they even put its intestines in a museum, believe it or not. But it really was a pivotal moment in my mind and also for the entire people of, of this country that we really do need to take action and, and be, be more conscious, be more aware, and inspire more people to take action against this formidable challenge that was facing us. Awesome. You know, you know, Prof, I, as you say this, I, I once read an article that um, says, no way declares war on microplastics and plastics in general. How, how, how real is that statement? Is, is that what's happening in no way currently? To, to some extent, I mean, the, 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 the good news, bad news is that, again, we have pretty good waste management, waste collection system. So so waste is not noticeable where, where people live. But when you go to the coast and you go to the outer islands, you go to the whole uh, face but we of Norway into the North Sea, you see a whole different pictures. And, and, and the islands and the 
and the coastline is just filled with debris and most of it is plastic and it's it's just devastating. So the concept of microplastics is starting to concern people. And we certainly have research going on at my university from biologists and from chemists and from, from different fields of study. It was starting to make people aware that the 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 whole the, the visible plastic challenge is plastic pollution is is a big challenge in and of itself. But the really the dangerous part is the smaller the pieces get, the more dangerous they are to our health and to certainly wildlife and birds and fish and, and everything around us. On, on top of the food chain, we we stand to suffer the most, and and we still haven't totally grasped the implications of what's yeah. currently in and around us. Yeah, that is that is so interesting, Puff, because, do you know, as, as you speak, I'm thinking about the difference between plastics that is visible and plastics that is not visible. Uh, first and foremost, you, you look at, uh, you know, 71, 71% of uh, the Earth is made of, of water and 90% of that is the ocean, right? And you are thinking, we see so much debris on land already, particularly in South Africa, that is the case. And, you know, just when you think that that is only 29% of the problem, and there's so much more that we do not see, just just how extensive is the plastic problem, particularly in the ocean? And, and it, it is huge, and, and, and people are, are, are starting to realize that and starting to take action. And in my country, different from South Africa, we have a huge uh, both fishing and aquaculture industry. And, and the awareness in that industry of how to take care of the ocean on which they make a living leaves a few things to be desired. But it's slowly wakening up. And, and actually, I was just recently part of developing an online, a free online course for the aquaculture industry to make people aware that please do not throw pieces of plastic into the oceans because the ocean can no longer handle it. We need to take it ashore. We need to to, to dispose of it properly. So hopefully that will be a beginning to, again, the, the belief is that we need to increase the awareness in order for people to change behavior. And that particular aspect is, is obviously different in, in Norway from South Africa. But the, the commonalities is all the visible debris that gets washed ashore that we need to pick up and, and, and then dispose of it, which actually brings up the, the other issue in terms of circularity. Once we get it ashore, what do we do then? Yeah. And in both our countries, we currently end up putting a lot of it to landfill, more or less well managed. But I mean, that's obviously not a sustainable solution long term. A hundred years from now, our descendants will dig that up and wonder what in the world we were thinking of in sure. our lifetime when we simply didn't manage the challenge we just buried it yeah because uh you know just you mentioned your 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 online course right um and it's free of charge and freely available for everyone um to 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 log into to access um is it for yeah. everyone or should how how do we get about how do we go about uh accessing that uh that resource because i think it's very important yeah I, I i agree so we just recently launched it and unfortunately it is currently only in norwegian language we do plan to translate it and make an english-speaking version of it 
And awesome. it certainly is for free and it certainly is available to everybody. And we just hope that the more people that take it, the better it is. It's particularly targeting fisheries and agriculture. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, you obviously do have some of that also in South Africa, but hopefully that would be beginning. That hopefully that is the beginning of a new trend that where universities such as uh, the one I'm working at can really contribute to the to creating awareness and and and, and communicate not only the, the the scares the horrors but also advise people of how can each and every one of us contribute a little bit by being more sensible in the way we deal with the plastics so, so that was a long answer to a quick question the, the website is uh, practice taught plast www.pla I'm sorry, www.pr. Uh, I'll, I'll send that to you. Okay, no, it's fine. I will uh, <laughs> and, and, and just as, post And as soon it as we on... have it in English, I'll certainly publish it more. Okay, no, it's, it's, we'll post it on the on the information um, with the podcast. So I, I yep. think it's very important that instruments like that be made available because when... You know, when you talk to people about, you know, what is plastic, what is microplastics and why it's important to to really have that discussion, you still find people thinking it's just plastic. Why should we care? Do you know? Uh, so resources like those, particularly from learners and very well informed, you know, just personnel such as yourselves, really just distilling that information and making sure that it reaches the right people. Um, so I'm just wondering, how was how's the update? Um, are you are you receiving positive feedback? Well, we certainly are, and again, it, it's fairly new. So, 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 some of the big companies are very strongly encouraging their employees to take it, which is a good sign. And and also, the word is is getting around. So, I'm getting very positive feedback in terms of how the structure is, because what we decided early on was rather than trying to scare people, I mean, the psychologist always tells us that scaring people is not the most effective way to get people to change behavior. So we try the other way around. We try to explain what really is plastic and and what and 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 what what are the characteristics and 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 from that point on, how should we deal with it as a resource rather than only as a problem? So the whole emphasis really is, educating people, making people aware, and then hoping that they will change behavior once they see the the realities of it and, and sort of encouraging them rather than, than, than frightening them. Yeah. I, I, I think Pop, one of the things that I, you know, I, I, I really see between being dif- a difference between South Africa and Norway is, you know, how much value is placed on plastic as a resource. Because, you know, um, just recently we had an opportunity to just join you at, uh, you know, at uh, that workshop that was only, again, addressing plastics. And what I found was that, uh, you know, there's so much value in plastics. So the return system, the emphasis that's put on, on you know, just really recycle, do not litter, it is so you know, just visible. People just really know what to do. Uh, what do you, what do you think we we are doing wrong in South Africa, or what is it that do you think we can learn? You know, uh, from the Norwegian system of doing things, because that is certainly not the case in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Uh, just to make a point, I think the learning goes both ways. I mean, in South Africa, you have a much more vibrant recycling industry than we do in Norway. Yeah. So the, 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 the truth of the matter is that in Norway, we end up putting more plastic to landfill and exporting more plastic to other countries. So basically, Norway is obviously fairly doing very well economically. Mm -hmm. So we can basically pay others to take our plastic waste off our hands, oh. which, again, is not very sustainable from, from the global perspective. So I, I do think that Norway can learn a lot from South Africa in your recycling industry. But when I'm talking to recyclers in my country, the, 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 the common concern is that, yes, we can, we can collect the plastic, we can wash it, we can sort it, we can pelletize it, we can, we can make it available. However, the uptake is very limited. So in my country, it really comes down to the producers of new plastic products needs to be encouraged or, or, or incentivized to, yeah. to use more recycled plastic in their production, which again is a common challenge for, for, for all our countries. And I really do believe what you just touched on, Rafael, with that until used plastic is perceived to have a value we really won't be able to deal with this challenge quickly enough. So hopefully there will be incentives in terms of legislation, in terms of EPR, in terms of fees on virgin plastic, whatever it would, however that develops. But I think that both our countries have capabilities to recycle more, but we do need to close the circular loop to, to yeah. actually make it make a difference in the big scheme of it. Yeah, I. I really just you know very much in agreement with you on that one and I, I i want to say one of the distinctions that i did identify in norway was how much ghost nets are problematic you know uh you know with the cleanup that we had an opportunity to be part of it was just you know the amount of nets and you know fishing gear that just you know washes up you know the the the, the ocean how how dire is that situation in Norway? How how important is is you know that message to get out there, particularly to the fishing companies, as you know you did mention that aquaculture is very important in Norway. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's extremely important. And again, sort of the challenge is that where most people live, you don't really see much waste or or certainly no plastics floating around. So I mean that's that's that's. <laughs> That is one difference between our two countries in the sense of, of, of municipal waste management, collection and waste management. But the bigger challenge is, as you indicate, along the coast where where the fishing, the fishermen and also the agriculture people have up until now not taken this seriously. It has been much easier for them just to dump the waste off, off the ship and, and, and let it go wherever it needs to go. Awareness is growing because some of the pictures are, are, are telling truth that we do need to change our ways. And as you just indicated, the, the, the pickup session that we were part of, you, you see those nets and, and how they get sort of ingrained and infiltrated with nature and, 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 and bird life and wildlife and, and, and also just the flowers and the, the plants. It, it's just horrendous. So the good news is that people are waking up. And, and, and again, the challenge is, once we get those nets out of nature, get them on shore, then what can we do with them? So today, 
in Norway, we end up putting most of it to landfill, sadly enough. But slow, but there's starting to be more awareness of how can we actually recycle it, melt it, pelletize it, and, and reuse the, the, the valuable resources. So we're, we are seeing a sort of a slow transition into a more circular effort to do it. And, it, and then again, the challenge has become what are the different additives to some of these materials? How do we know how clean it is? How do we how do we how do we deal with it mechanically and, and in terms of recycling it? So there's still some there's still a lot of work to be done, but the yeah. good news is that people are waking up to the challenge. Yeah, and the willingness to actually do that, you know. So the um, political will to just influence policy, and also the you know industry <laughs> to innovate, um, yep. because uh, you know most of the time when I speak to sort of industry in South Africa. You would just, you know, sort of the incentive or the um, just perception is that there is no need for innovation because there is still high demand on the current plastic system. Uh, and certainly COVID didn't help. So, uh, you know, just is it is it is it really just, you know, a, a challenge that the is supposed to be industry or just um, consumers or, you know, policy. How how, do, how should we go about maybe just tackling this this challenge and making sure that we, we get to the center of it and, and with everyone on board? Yeah, that's a very good and a very important question. So, so I mean, the, the quick answer is really we need to think of it more as a circular economy type context. And and again, I'm 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 really impressed with what the recycling industry is, is doing in South Africa. However, a lot of it is really downcycling in the sense that the material goes through the circular route, but it ends up with a lower value for each turn in, in, in the circular wheel. We do need to find ways to maintain the value or preferably even upscaling it. And there are some interesting examples in, in, in my country where, where one of these companies basically hired a, the, the most well-known industrial designer group in, in Norway to design new chairs. And then they were able to source nets from aquaculture with the right colors. And in a sort of in a very closed loop, they were able to recover the material from the from the nets from the pens from the agriculture industry and turn them into high value chairs with a with a fairly interesting design and also with a sort of colors of the nordic nature if you will in, in, in ingrained in it so to me that was a very interesting example of actually being able to upscale the 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 materials and and i think that's along the ways we really do need to to continue because as we both as we both say, the, the the answer really is we need to find ways to assign value to the used plastic because that's the way you can incentivize and, and mobilize and uh, more entrepreneurs, innovators, more companies to, to, to be ingrained in it. And what we're finding with this massive online communication course that, we, that I just mentioned is that the aquaculture companies are basically realizing that by investing in their employees taking this course, they achieve three things. The employees gets more satisfied with the work they do. Number two, nature is preserved because less waste ends up in the fjords. And number three, it's actually profitable 
even for the aquaculture company because they oh. are able to recover the value of the material. And, and then the next step is obviously you have more recyclers work with it. And, 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 and this, is, this is starting to happen. And I really do believe that when there are economic incentives on top of feel-good uh, preserving nature, that's really where we can get the ramp-up speed and, and make more impact in this whole circular plastic situation. Yeah. So it is. It sounds to me like it's a win-win situation, right? Um, just you know, I, I, it takes me back to you know where I think you know it was mentioned that uh, you know so the Homo sapiens really um, the only species that are not living in symbiosis with nature. You know, we yeah. the only ones that believe in dumping and and just like really out of sight, out of mind, which is not how nature works, right? No, and I mean, the, the interesting part is that this is all part of my generation. You're probably too young, but I mean, I was born before plastic was invented. Yeah. And before plastic was invented, we, we did have a symbiosis because whatever you left in nature would be recycled by nature. When the invention of plastic, we violated that whole circular uh, mechanism because now no longer will our waste be recycled. Yeah. So, so to me, the, so the fascinating thing is, is, this is really a product of my generation, and 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 I've had a good life based on it because <laughs> plastic is a wonderful material. Yeah. But the sad thing is that we, humankind, never actually, or not not until recently, realized that we can no longer just throw our waste away. Yeah. We now do need to take care of it in a much more sensible way than. Than our grandparents had to deal with. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, as you speak about, uh, you know, how people are now starting to think more holistically about plastic, I I, I remember when I was in in the Netherlands not uh, a couple of like years ago, they were already starting to talk about uh, the cradle to cradle system. Mm. You know, uh, not. You know, thinking about a product as, you know, from its conception to conception rather than cradle to grave, where yep. you, you, talking about conception to grave, um, is that a similar thing that's happening in, in Norway? It is starting to happen, and I'm obviously cheering and clapping and applauding every step of the way. It's, it, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> it catches on slower than most of us would have liked. I think then the the Dutch showed the way because they started out earlier exactly along the lines you just mentioned. It is it is starting to 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 happen also in Norway and and the example I just mentioned with those office chairs made from fishing nets is is, is to me one terrific example. So basically, in my mind, we need more entrepreneurs. We need more innovators who can find ways to deal with it. And this this movement they call precious plastic. Is, is one aspect of it. How can people, small scale and large scale, how can they find ways of, of turning used plastic into valuable products? And, and, and I, I really do believe that only imagination limits how we can do that. And, and again, the whole notion that there is an economic incentive is the most powerful uh, engine to, 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 to cause that to happen. But it is it is it is happening slower than I would have hoped. Yeah, uh, 
I, 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 you know, we just touched on what's happening in in Norway, in Germany, and um, I mean in the Netherlands. And I know that Germany is also coming on board quite strongly with um, banning of plastic. I, I think they just introduced a hard ban on plastics uh, recently, and um, you know every other country is coming with like higher and higher percentages of uh, recycling. But how important is you know, the coming together of nations to just tackle it as one. Um, should we continue to do everything sort of in silos in our little corners or should we really just come together and and try and tackle this plastic issue head on? I, I really think we need to do both. And I mean, there's a strong push now in Brussels for the European Union. So I think Europe is taking some of the right steps yeah. They're talking about the extended producer responsibility, how to implement that. They're talking about requiring mandating <clears throat> excuse me, a certain percentage of, of, of raw materials to be to be recycled when they, when you produce new products. So there's a lot of interesting steps in that direction. And certainly that needs to go on because that is one important aspect of it. But the other side is, I think, I also do believe that we need to encourage small enterprises and small businesses and innovators to deal with it at a very local level. Yeah. And, and again, I think awareness is a key to it. I just had a visit from from Indonesia, and they and the university there was very adamant that we need to teach our our our, our students about the 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 realities about the materials and and how that might impact. And so their notion really was. New generations of graduates going back into society is is one important aspect of it. So I think we need to work at it from 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 both ends. It, it, exactly as you just say to 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 really make a difference. Because to me, it really comes back to the whole notion of awareness. We need, the, the whole population needs to be made more aware. And again, I don't think scaring is the most effective way to do it. That makes them aware of the value, the hydrocarbons, they can be re reused and, and reformed. And, and at the very least, we can take the energy out of it rather than leaving it in nature. Yeah. And and just, you know, as the, as we come to a close, there, there has been, uh, you know, efforts by international, you know, it's just global, um, you know, community to come together and uh, you know try and just pay attention and shine a light to this plastic problem, right? Uh, I yeah. think one very important uh, you know milestone that, in my view, was when the recent Kenya treaty that was uh, sort of you know just it was not signed yet, but then it, but you know leaders did converge in the African continent for the very first time to just deliberate solely on how to tackle plastic. Uh, how important is that? Well, I think it's extremely important. And and, and and some of these aspects, Africa is showing the way, maybe because the, the challenges are so visible and also the economic incentives are so desirable to to, to make a difference. So I think that's, that's usually important. And also the whole United Nations plastic treaty going on I think it's it's vital that we need to encourage and, and keep that going. But it also brings up sort of the other sort of soft dimension to it. When some countries in Africa ban plastic bags, 
I mean, on the one hand, you obviously want to applaud it. On the other hand, the social implications, the psycho psychological awareness and, and some of these other aspects caused by it really deserves also researchers and more knowledge to be able to to find the, 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 the most effective ways to deal with it. And banning is certainly one option, but that also has its disadvantages. Yeah. So, so there are so many aspects to it. And again, I think that one of the big advantages that Africa has is, I mean, you have a tremendous population, younger population than any other con uh, continent, and you have a lot of creative people. So the whole entrepreneurial, creative, artistic aspect to it, I'm just hoping that more people will see an opportunity to use use plastic as materials yeah. for for innovative products for artistic expressions and for all, all the other good aspects to it that really again helps with with creating awareness and and hopefully also people to make a livelihood in the process yeah um that is that is actually so interesting Post. um just you just reminded me of a conversation i had with one of the south african retailers who um you know just mentioned that we cannot stop plastic in South Africa. We cannot ban plastic in South Africa because one, South Africa is a plastic hub for the piece for the southern, you know, African continent. And also there's so many jobs that um, you know, that plastic industry is creating. So they can't ban that. Um, but you know, then it, it just begs the question, how do we then navigate that system? to make sure that it's more sustainable, to make sure that the environment does not suffer just because we need to put food on the table. Yeah, no, and, and it brings up sort of some of the inherent dilemmas. I mean, clearly, if we ban, if we, if we suddenly stop using plastic overnight, I mean, the, the, a lot of people would starve. I mean, the whole, the whole concept of using plastic yeah. as a fantastic material to preserve food is, is one key aspect to it. And, and, and the trade-off again is that you need, to, people need to have access to food and, and whether they have refrigerators or not. So the, the, the solution in my mind, in my mind, the solution is not the sort of straightforward ban or, 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 or allow. We do need to find more intelligent ways to, to deal with the trade-offs and, 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 and plastic, uh, Packaging for food is is one key aspect to it, and and we do need more people to look into those those aspects. But again, you see some of these pictures online. My favorite is a coconut single wrapped in plastic. To me, that's just <laughs> mind boggling. Yeah, so there are some aspects we can easily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a banana wrapped in plastic. Yeah, or banana. Sure. Or, or I've even seen the uh, Coke cans. Wrapped sure. in plastic in a plastic tray, which is and just... you're like, how did we get here? You know, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, nature has provided ways to really protect ourselves, but um, yeah, we we just can't seem to get that right. Um, but yeah, prof, no, I think... no. plastic is too plastic has been too cheap. That's I mean the uh, basic challenge. Okay. But is it cheap though? That's another question. Like, um, yeah, because when you look at how plastic is made and the sort of, you know, raw materials that are required to produce plastic, that's not cheap, you know, and the labor intensive, um, you know, ness of the process of creating plastic. 
Um, so yeah, it's, I think there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot that, you know, we just can continue to deliberate on, but I just want to personally thank you for just paving the way and, and, and really being on the ground and making sure that we have, a, you know, there is a difference and we are all aware and we, we pay attention to this, uh, challenge that we have. Um, and I'm certainly looking forward to taking that course once it's available in English and and really just um, enriching myself as well. So thank you for your time, Prof. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Bye-bye.